Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In our midweek services this year, we've been focusing on a story from a long time ago in Bethlehem. Over a thousand years before the accounts we hear of in today's gospel reading, there were two women, Naomi and Ruth, who came to rejoice because of a child and a kinsman redeemer. Well, the events of today's gospel reading do not occur in Bethlehem, but they do have rejoicing between two women over a child who is the kinsman redeemer. But these events begin in Nazareth. Let me give you a little background here from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary was most likely at this point in her mid-teens. And having heard this news and having believed this news, she was probably overwhelmed, don't you think? Now, who could she talk to such things about? Who could possibly understand if she were to tell this story, and who would actually believe it? Well, when you're in the midst of a situation where you feel overwhelmed, you feel desperate for somebody to understand, where do you turn? Well, it's often to someone who has experienced something similar. Sometimes that's why God actually puts us through some difficult times, so that we are in position to help somebody else when they go through a difficult time. Second uh, Corinthians speaks of that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So sometimes we go through those sufferings so that we are now prepared to minister to, to love, to walk alongside of somebody else who's going through a difficult time. So it seems Mary turns to the one person in the world she thinks might 
might understand, might be able to relate. Mary turns to Elizabeth. As we heard from the angel Gabriel, Mary and Elizabeth were relatives. Now, how closely related they were, we don't really know, but it seems at the very least they did know each other. However, it also seems Mary and Elizabeth lived about 80 miles or so apart. Now, 80 miles for us, we go, huh, no big deal, right? Uh, Cooper and I were supposed to go to the Browns game yesterday. It got moved to Monday night. You know, we got to go all the way up to Cleveland. Oh, no, I guess we can jump in the car and get up there in no time, right? If I had to walk, that would be another story. Now, Mary having to walk all the way from Nazareth to where Elizabeth lived, that would have been a considerable journey. You're talking three days of walking at least here. Now, here's another interesting tidbit, though. If the traditions are to be believed, and I think there's really good evidence for this, Elizabeth and Zechariah, their hometown was Hebron. Now, Bethlehem gets all of the publicity, and Jerusalem, of course, we know all of the things that happened in Jerusalem, but Hebron has a history that is second to none. There's a ton of salvation history tied to this place. We first hear about it in in Genesis, in Genesis 13, verse 18. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So this is the, the place where Abram settles and worships God. Well, what else happens there? Well, it's from Hebron that Abram goes and rescues Lot and brings him back. It's here that Abram's name is changed from Abram to Abraham, right? Look at the stars in the sky. So will it be for your descendants. Uh, It's at this place that the, the angels come and visit Abraham and say, Hey, you're going to have a son. This time next year, your, your wife, she's going to give birth. And Sarah laughs. How could that possibly be? It was at Hebron where Sarah died and where uh, Abram, Abraham uh, brought, bought the, uh, the piece of land for her burial. And it's here that Isaac and Jacob spent most of their lives. And it's here that Jacob and Joseph, uh, Joseph, Jacob sent Joseph to seek his brothers. And it was from here that Jacob went down to Egypt. In the cave of Machpelah at Hebron, all of the patriarchs and all of their wives, other than Rachel, are buried. You want to talk about a lot of history of of the salvation of God's people. It's it's tied up in Hebron. And now Mary comes to visit Elizabeth and all of those big events, they're just a prelude to this. This is even bigger than all of those other things that came before it. Mary arrives and she enters the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth greets, uh, Mary greets Elizabeth, right? She walks in the door and 
We don't know exactly what she said. Probably something along the lines of what Boaz said when he arrived in the fields. You know, the Lord be with you, right? So she walks in the door. She greets Elizabeth. And we don't know exactly what was said, but whatever it was, something amazing happened. She greets Elizabeth. And what happens? John leaps for joy inside of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a few things to take note of here. First, the word that Luke uses here, leaped, (laughs) is not typical of what would be spoken of as just kind of moving around in the mother's womb or kicking in the mother's womb. This was a, a very distinctive word to draw attention to the reality. This was something very special, right? He jumps for joy inside of his mother. This tells us, tells us a couple things. First, babies are very much alive within the womb. The debate about when human life begins is kind of silly, actually. Scientifically, it's pretty obvious. When the sperm and the egg join, you have a new human life. And scripture is very clear throughout. The unborn are unborn, but they are very much human lives. What the angel Gabriel spoke to Zechariah concerning uh, his son that was yet to be born is also shown to be true here. Earlier in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel had appeared to Zechariah. You remember how that went down? Zechariah is in the temple and the angel Gabriel appears to him. And listen to what Gabriel says. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, Gabriel goes on, but what does he say? He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And we see, indeed, that's the case here, isn't it? Now, remember, Zechariah didn't believe. Mary does believe when she's told by the angel Gabriel. But it's it's an interesting point here, because how is it that people come to faith? Is it because they they understand everything? They, they, They gain the information, they assess it, and they rationally make a decision. No, that's not how it happens. How do we come to faith in Christ? The Holy Spirit called me by the gospel and liked me with this gift, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. Who brings you to faith? God does it. It's a miracle that he does it. And we see already God has the power to bring even a child unborn within the womb to faith in Christ. By the power of the word. Because... Mary speaks, and who is within Mary? Jesus. That's why her words now have the ability to convey the Holy Spirit, to bring Elizabeth and John at the same time to faith. We sometimes hear uh, that the uh, we, we sometimes hear about the, you know, the power of the word of God, right? 
How do people come to faith? By the power of the word of God. So we think, well, I got to read the Bible at them. <laughs> not, not like read it to them, but like I am going to read the Bible at you and the Holy Spirit's going to now pound you into submission or something like that. That's not really what we mean here. What we mean is you are also filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus has come to dwell within you. And now, when you speak of Jesus, you know the story, you know Jesus, you know what he's done. When you speak of Jesus and what Jesus has done, guess what? That's also the word of God at work. That is a means by which somebody can be brought to faith because the spirit is within you. The Lord Jesus is within you. And he is at work through you. So you don't have to be able to say, well, I got to be able to quote scripture or it's not going to count. No. You just need to speak of Jesus to a friend or a coworker or a relative. And the Lord's going to be at work. It's interesting, too. John leaps for joy in his mother's womb. Elizabeth, without having heard anything explaining the situation, also confesses that Mary is the mother of her Lord. Listen to this. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. (laughs) Nobody explained this to her, did they? Nobody, Mary hadn't come in and said, Oh, hey, here's what happened. The angel appeared to me, and here's the whole thing. No. She didn't explain anything, but at the sound of her voice, what happens? The Holy Spirit enlightens her. She gets it. Without having had any of it explained to her, she understands by the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit. Mary has the Savior, the Son of God within her. It's kind of like uh, what we hear Jesus say to Simon Peter later on. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Right? We don't come to faith because we rationally understand it, but we are brought to faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what does Elizabeth say? How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me? We might ask a similar question. How is it that the Lord Jesus would come to me? He knows my weaknesses. He knows my struggles. He knows my sin. He knows my doubts. And yet he comes. He comes to you today in, with, and under bread and wine. Much as Elizabeth couldn't have seen with her eyes that Mary was even pregnant, much less that she was bearing the Son of God. We can't look at the elements of Holy Communion and see anything special. And yet through, the, through those means, Jesus comes to you today, hidden, but revealed by his word. How do you know he's there? By his word. Now, having taken all of this in, Mary can't help but rejoice. And we have the wonderful words of the Magnificat 
uh, in which she praises God for his saving work. And Mary's song now has become the church's song. It's a song that you and I can sing because it was true for Mary and it was true for Elizabeth and it's true for us too. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed. Blessed. Mary was blessed to be the mother of God. The mother of the Savior. Elizabeth, in her old age, was blessed to give birth to a son, the forerunner of the Messiah. And we're blessed because that child born of Mary, he has done great things for us. And holy is his name. And as John rejoiced that Jesus was there with him as Elizabeth rejoiced that the mother of her Lord was there, that Jesus was there in her presence, we rejoice. We look forward to Christ coming on on the final day, right? But we rejoice that even now, the Lord is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.